Welcome to the Rooted Parent Podcast, which equips parents to think biblically about some of the most pressing and confusing issues of our day. The Rooted Parent Podcast is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, Ask Alice, and Thanos to Theos. We hope you enjoyed the first three seasons of this podcast, which included All About Boys with David Thomas, Sane Parenting in Insane Times with Cameron Cole and Anna Mead Harris, and Ask the Experts, also with Cameron Cole and Anna Mead Harris. In Season 4, Fear Factor in Parenting, Cameron and Anna discuss how fear impacts our relationships with both God and with our children. They'll speak biblically and practically about how the gospel eases our fears for our families, helping parents exchange the urge to control for the freedom to enjoy the teenagers in our homes. Without further ado, here are your hosts for the Rooted Parent Podcast. Welcome to the Rooted Parent Podcast. I am Cameron Cole, and you are... Anna Mead Harris. We call you the... Team Mom, and you are... Some people call me the Big C. Yes, lots of people call you the Big C. (laughs) And so welcome to season four of the Rooted Parent Podcast. Hard to believe. Yeah, we are really excited about this season. I think I'm I'm most excited about this season uh, because we're going to be talking about the fear factor in parenting. Yeah, it's it's a it's been a huge factor for me, and it's just really been a blessing to be digging into this and seeing how far God has, uh, how much He's taught me. Yeah, I'd say that for myself too. My kids are uh, well. When you're listening to this, they'll be four, seven, and nine. Birthday is right around the corner. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm just starting to identify just how much fear there is involved in parenting, and so kind of studying this, trying to understand that fear, and seeing how the Lord gives us freedom from that fear. Uh, has been incredibly edifying for me personally. Yeah, me too. My kids, when you listen to this, will be 20, 23, and 24. And so I really had a journey with this growing up in a really fearful home where fear was a major factor in my family and then grappling with that through my kids' teenage years and experiencing some freedom. Not entirely, but but yeah. uh, I'm very grateful and continuing the journey and talking to my own kids about it now. Yeah, praise the Lord. And so, you know, during the season, I hope in one sense that you'll feel understood. You'll feel like, mm-hmm. oh man, you might get some some new language uh, for different anxiety and fear that you experience. Um, but also we really, our hope is that we'll receive the freedom from fear, the peace that comes from God and that comes in relationship with Christ through the gospel. And so I think this is going to be a really hopeful season. I mean, I think it'll be hard in ways because... We'll kind of have to dig into some of our fears and yes, yeah. they'll probably feel they're probably will feel like there's a little bit of self indictment, but hopefully some good conviction mm-hmm. that leads us to um the grace of Christ and to and to God's word. Right. And and some uh some growth for our kids too in yeah. there. So, so they'll have some freedom. So I'm gonna start out and just kind of tell the story of how we came up with this season and why yeah. we thought this was so key. I am a you know, youth and family pastor, Birmingham, Alabama, Magic City. And RTR, (laughs) we are both Wake Forest grads, which, you know, we're very eager to, uh, to say that right now, because as we're recording this, what is the record of the Demon Deacons? It would be undefeated eight and oh, that's right. Ranked number nine in the nation. First top 10 ranking in school history. It's an exciting time to be a Demon Deacon. I was actually there last weekend and got to experience a victory over Duke, which was enchanting. Yeah, so that's a win for humanity. 
is. Sorry, Duke people. <laughs> it is. It is. However, um, you will not be listening to this for a couple of weeks. So, so yeah, when you're listening <laughs> to this, the Deacons may be unranked and eight and two. So. <laughs> Anyhow, go Deeks. But um, but so I'm a children's and family minister, and every few years, I'll do this uh, kind of study in a mm. sense where I get together with students and I ask them what it's like to be a teenager. You know, I'll, you know, I'll ask them ask them about social media consumption and how the role that plays in their life. I'll talk to them about school and pressures they feel. I'll talk about partying. And then I'll ask them about their parents. And so it's interesting because there's been a pretty significant shift in my little micro study about where kids say that their source of stress comes from. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I did this five years ago, I asked kids, you know, what is the source of the anxiety and the stress that you feel? And the almost across the board, almost every single student said that it was just the culture, just the the world that they lived in was competitive and there was a lot of performance pressure and that's where they experienced their stress. It wasn't from teachers or principals. It wasn't from their parents. It was, it was just more the cultural zeitgeist, if you will. And so I asked this time and almost every single student said that their parents were their primary source of stress and anxiety. Ugh. Ugh, I know it was tough. It was really tough. And so as I started to kind of listen to these kids, you could see that there was a sense that they felt very controlled. They felt like they were under constant surveillance. They felt like they were micromanaged. They felt like their parents were very afraid and very stressed out. And that was either factoring into the way that they were parenting or they were just kind of internalizing that projected fear. And so there was, you know, some interesting quotes from that is one child said, and this was a good kid. This is a good kid mm. who's, you know, very mature Christian, not a partier, not a trouble makes good grades, goes to youth group, leader in the youth group. And he said, I feel like my parents are out to get me. I feel like I start out life on probation. And then uh, another kid said that, that about talking about their peers, their parents care about school a lot. So they freak out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And their kids will say that, you know, I, I heard another theme was, oh, I'm so, I'm so stressed out. I might have made a bad grade because if I make a bad grade, my parents are going to freak out. They use that term freak out. Freak out. Yeah, I've heard it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so then another thing, too, is they I think a lot of kids felt like they were under surveillance and kind of a flashpoint for this was the, is the app Life360. Mm hmm. Which, you know, hey, folks, if you're listening and like you're a Life360 user, we you don't want you to feel, con- to feel condemned. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not making a statement on whether you should or should not use that because I know some families where they, they probably should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know some where it's, it's, it's over the top and they probably shouldn't. But, um, but anyhow, Life360 is an app where parents can kind of monitor their kids at all times, monitor where right. they are, monitor them when they're driving, see how fast they're driving. And some parents use it for safety, like if my child were in a wreck, um, things of that nature. Um, but the kids experience it like they're being watched. They're being mm-hmm. scrutinized at all times. And it's interesting because a lot of, I've, I've got a little more compassion for Snapchat because a lot of kids explain the reason we use Snapchat is because our parents are reading all of our texts and they're watching our social media. Snapchat is a place where we can actually not, there's not an audience. Mm. Uh, by the way, I think Snapchat is just nefarious. So oh, it's just it's, evil. It's awful. Yeah. It's totally yeah. evil. Um, but but I got I, I came to understand, be a little bit more compassionate towards their choice to kind of primarily communicate through Snapchat. So 
with that being said, it felt like there was this sense of hyper control mm-hmm. that kids felt hyper control and pressure. And what was driving that was parental fear. Well, and it's true. We are very afraid. I, I think that parents are faced with watching their children grow up in a world that was really, really different from the world that we grew up in. And our kids are facing things that we're somewhat unfamiliar with. We don't really understand maybe how Snapchat works. So, you know. I not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or the social media, you know, I'm finding out things all the time about the way social media works that I didn't know, but it's natural. It's like um, breathing to my children. They understand all of it. It's a, And all of that is very frightening for parents. And so, you know, the fact that we're seeking to control it is just a response. It's a fear response. And the fact that we're seeking to know everything about them, like how fast they're driving and exactly where they are, it, it's fear response. And, and we are afraid. There's a lot of good there's a lot of reasons for that. The 24-hour news cycle, it's too much information. Yeah, totally. And so before we kind of dive into some of the, the historic and cultural factors that really are making it so that it, it is a more frightening world to raise kids in. Yeah. That's just a fact. And you know, I think one thing that parents need to give them some, themselves some grace on is that they're dealing with an, um, an inflection point in human history that has never been seen before. That yes. may be the most significant inflection point in the history of mankind. And so so obviously it has some inherent challenges. But before we do that, let's just talk about, let's just catalog what are some of the fears that we experience as parents, but that we are seeing uh, a lot of parent, parents verbalize and the things that we're going to, you know, we'll probably get to and cover throughout this season of Rooted Parent. Yeah. So fear of my children being hurt physically, fear of my kids being hurt emotionally, Mm. socially, psychologically, fear of them suffering at the hands of other people or suffering existentially. All of these things are things that, you know, can keep me up at night. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I see a lot of fear of, of like social media and technology. We just don't understand it. And we hear all kinds of horror stories. I think there's a big fear for parents of feeling like you're shortchanging your kids. Like, you're not doing enough to give them the opportunities that they deserve and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a fear that you know, your kids are going to be deprived in some way. I think too, that there's, um, it seems like the extremes uh, of political ideology are the ones that are in front of our face the most. And so mm-hmm. I think parents are really, really afraid about uh, some of the extreme political ideologies out there, whether it's, you know, the far left and, and matters related to sexuality and gender identity, or it's the far right. Mm-hmm. And the people are worried that their kids are going to turn out to be a white supremacist or something like that. It's just there's a lot of fear in terms of like the ideas. Absolutely. And I think there's fears related to the families that we came from, like oh, yeah. fear of growing up to be just like your parents or oh. fear of not giving your kids what your parents gave you being the kind of mom or dad you had. It, either It can go either way. Um, I think the fear of our own parents not approving of the way that we've raised our kids um, or, you know, judgment from our families about the way our kids are turning out. Yeah. Or just a fear in general of judgment of the audience, you know, like yeah. a fear of, uh, gosh, what is everybody going to think? Mm-hmm. What does everybody think about X, Y, and Z about this related to my child, this related to our family. And so 
So anyhow, those are that's just a long list of, of different fears that that we all kind of experience in different ways. And and so the thing, the good news is that like the Lord, we do not have to operate out of fear. The mm. Lord frees us from that. The Lord, you know, that He has adopted us and that He is the God of our lives and the God of our families, the God of our children. That enables us to take a deep breath, slow down, and to repent from fear and operate out of peace and out of wisdom. Um, and yeah, and out of the Holy spirit. And so, so as we kind of talk about, that's kind of like a little bit of an intro about some of the things that we'll get into, but let's talk for a second. We're, you know, to give you a little bit of a map, we're going to talk for a second about some of the historic and cultural factors that are driving such pervasive fear amongst parents. And then we're going to get into like what the big thing that you're going to take away from this podcast is we're going to give just a basic framework to understand theologically um, how fear works. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our episodes are going to come back to this basic framework of these build, these, these fundamentals of fear. Mm-hmm. And so first off team mom, like let's talk for a second about what has, what has, what is so unique about raising kids in this age that people a hundred years were not dealing with. Yeah. So uh, there's too much information. We are always inundated with stories that um, make us afraid about what might happen to our kids. And, you know, one example that you and I have talked about is that parents have the misperception that abduction is really, really common. And, you know, little kids aren't allowed to play in the neighborhood in the same way that they did that when I, I roamed the neighborhood all day long, you know, when I was seven. And um, so with the fact of the matter is, Abductions are not on the rise. Stranger abduction is extremely rare, and 99.8% of children who are reported missing end up at home safe and sound. So that whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, that's that's uh. So we hear these terrible stories um of girls getting beat up by their boyfriends and and you know left for dead in the wilderness. Um, and because we want to protect our children, we react as if our own children are currently in immediate danger. And we lose a little bit of perspective. And it's easy to see why. These stories are awful. But there is the undeniable fact that there are some scary things going on in the world. So there are real things to be afraid of. The alarming statistics about mental health and well-being of teenagers, particularly after the pandemic, Mm. they're real. And it leads us to, I think, control our children in ways that are really unhealthy for them. It leads that you've heard the phenomenon of the helicopter mom. Right. Um, well, it's it, a helicopter parent. Not the heli- mom. Well, well, yeah, okay. I was going to helicopter mom, <laughs> on more dad, equal opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the helicopter parent is one who hovers over their child and doesn't give them any space to to make mistakes or fall on their face or because they can't bear to see their child hurting or in difficult circumstances. Um, And the lawnmower parent is one that goes ahead and mows down any obstacles that might be in their child's way because they are afraid for their child not to get exactly what they think their child needs. And it's easy to fall into these patterns without even realizing you're doing it. Yeah, totally. The underlying assumption, I think, with both of those, though, is that our kids are fragile and that they must be protected. And if we don't do it, then no one will. And that's that's where we have to to really trust God. And it's so hard because 
we think we can do something in the moment and we feel like God is taking too long to do what we think he ought to do. Yeah. So there's a, there's a quote actually to your point and um, from a parenting magazine that says helicopter parenting, the underlying assumption of this parent is that the child is fragile and must be protected from the dangers of the world. This habit is so named for the physical resemblance that of a parent who hovers over their child has, has to like a helicopter. So I think, you know, to your point about there's too much information, mm-hmm. you know, the, I think parents, one thing we need to kind of, be aware of and that allows us to be kind of gentle with ourselves is, you know, a hundred years ago, there, there just wasn't this, all this information you mm-hmm. have, you know, the invention of the television and, you know, you have cable news and the mass media. And then, and so there, so, you know, this phenomenon of thinking that child abduction was a, a, a major problem comes in the 1980s. And that's when cable news is starting to be proliferated. Mm-hmm. Well, now with the internet, and with social media and smartphones, I mean, information is in front of us all the time and it's always the extremes. It's always the worst of the worst. So, I mean, if, if you were to read, uh, you know, the news on any given day, you think the, the, the sky is falling. I mean, it's always apocalyptic. And so, uh, and, and, and sadly, I, I think a lot of people spend, um, you know, four or five, 10 times more time on their phone and reading the news and watching the news than they do in the word. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, all of the stuff that is meant to, to you know, create so much fear uh, has a much bigger influence on us than who God is. And so, um, and so today what we're going to kind of move toward is, is talking about some, some basic fundamentals of, of fear. Does that sound like we ready to roll there, team? I, I think we can go there. Okay, cool. All right, so here's what we want to start out with. This is... Hey listeners, Davis Lacey here, podcast producer for Rooted, and I interrupt this podcast to tell you about Rooted's most recent offering, The Jesus I Wish I Knew in High School. The Jesus I Wish I Knew in High School is a book published in partnership with New Growth Press. It's a collection of 30 essays from 30 different authors. Writers such as Scott Sauls, Jen Pollock-Michelle, David Zoll, and Sandra McCracken reflect on their teenage years and write about how if they would have known Jesus then, like they know him now, their high school years would have been filled with hope, freedom, and forgiveness, more so than they could have ever imagined. Students can utilize the Jesus I Wish I Knew in high school as a devotional. They can read it like any other book, or this would be a great resource for youth ministry small groups. You can pre-order a copy of The Jesus I Wish I Knew in High School for the Teenager in Your Life, available now wherever books are sold. So today what we're going to kind of move toward is, is talking about some, some basic fundamentals of, of fear. Does that sound like we're ready to roll there, team? I, I think we can go there. Okay, cool. All right, so here's what we want to start out with. And this is, uh, is going to be a good one to, to kind of... Um, to kind of remember and that we're going to carry through. And that is the difference between good fear versus bad fear, good fear versus bad fear. Because you hear one thing often in the Bible um, is that, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And you see repeatedly an admonition in, in the old Testament in particular to fear the Lord and that there is a blessing in fearing the Lord. And so, um, and so here's what good fear is. Good fear is when we have an all and a respect and an an adoration for who God is. Uh, fear in this sense is is worshipful. Um, it's admiration. It's uh, it's all. And so you know, good fear is based in a true view of God. 
you know, God is good. God is holy. God is just. God is loving. God is on our side. And so that, that you know, that it, our our response to that is when we when we know who God is, we see that He is worthy to be praised and to be respected and to be adored. And so, uh, true, f- tr- a good fear, fear of the Lord, um, in a worshipful way, not being afraid of the Lord, not mm-hmm. being frightened by the Lord, but you know, fear of the Lord. Um, it first leads us to trust. Mm-hmm. It leads us to to hand over our lives and hand over control to God. Um, and the second thing that it leads to is intimacy with the Lord. When we look at who God is and we you know, praise him and worship him and we trust him for who he is, it draws us closer to God. And so good fear is really um, praise and worship of the Lord, praise, worship, and trust of the Lord. And so when we live in good fear, we're really far more at ease. And we tend to relate to our kids and to make decisions out of peace and out of patience and out of wisdom. And I would say one thing that has really, really helped me um, as I came to understand more about who God was Mm -hmm. and how much he loved me, how good he is, how much I can trust him. My fear was, as a parent, has been really alleviated by knowing that he loves my children the same way he loves me. Mm. And so all of these things um, that he is for me, holy, good, loving, just, he's those things for my kid, too. You know, when when our kids are little, we are a bit of an intermediary. We're talking to them about God, leading them to God, teaching them who God is. But as they become teenagers, they begin to experience God for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and he has more interest in their well-being than we possibly ever, ever could have. He loves them so much more than we and our feeble parent love, which is which is pretty darn strong. Um, it's as strong as we're capable of, really, and how much greater his love is. And I just have found enormous comfort knowing how great his love is for my kids, how great his power is on their behalf. And yeah. that is an uh, an an awe and a joy that I find just really resting in the power of, of, of that he has on my kids' behalf. Amen. And so I think that, you know, as we kind of um, wrap up this, this, you know, talking about good fear, I think that it really does inform us about how central and important worshiping God in our own spiritual life is, you know, starting our days and, and just, you know, intermittently as we're, uh, as we are facing the different challenges of parenting, stopping and remembering who God is and remembering who God is through prayer and praise of like, Lord, you are good. Mm-hmm. Lord, you are holy. Lord, you are in control. You are sovereign. Lord, you love us so much. Lord, you are so wise and you are so pure. And that just slows things down, turns down the temperature, and it leads us into a place where we're closer to the Lord and where we're trusting him in the way that we relate and, and we make decisions. Now, bad fear, on the other hand, um, <laughs> contrast in this way. First off, bad fear is based on a false view of God, you know, believing that God is not in control or that he's not trustworthy or that he really is not for us. He doesn't love us. And so as a result of that, bad fear leads us to either withdraw 
to where we operate in isolation mm-hmm. and and draw withdrawal from God. So there's God. distance in that yeah. relationship, or and or it leads us to control, hyper control. Look, we can't trust God. We got to take matters into our own hands. And so when we're operating out of bad fear, false view of God, withdrawal and control, the the way that we operate tends to be out of a sense of doom and out of haste, um, you know, out of, out of dread. And that's just never, it's never, when you relate to people or you make decisions out of fear and haste, it's destructive, it's irrational, it's not wise, it's not good. And so, um, and so what we want to, you know, to kind of close this up, we want to look at Genesis chapter three, uh, the, the fall of man as kind of a starting point for a scriptural basis for this good fear versus bad fear. And so, uh, in, you know, in verse, in verse one, again, we're in Genesis chapter three uh, In verse one, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, and, and as we get into this, notice what he's doing is he is painting God in, in a false light. Mm-hmm. He is trying to convince the people that um, convince Adam and Eve that, you know, God's bad and you can't trust him. And uh, yeah, and that's, that's kind of the point. That's the, the, one of the primary points of his attack. So he says, did God actually say you should not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Okay. So the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And so the serpent is essentially saying like, God's not, he's not good. Like Mm -hmm. he is not trustworthy and he's against you. He's holding out on you. And so he, so a false view of God is being established. And so as a result, we see that, in verse six, it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. The, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So there, we can see that they're now self-reliant. They are taking matters into their own hands. Like, hey, God has told me, he's revealed to me in his word, don't eat from that tree, it will kill you. But Eve is now relying on her own, her own wisdom, her own self-discretion, because she can't count on God. You know, she's operating at a false view of God, mm-hmm. so she can't, can't count on God. So Eve is now self-reliant in her own judgment. She's operating, all, she's doing this by herself. She's not doing this with the Lord. And so once they, they take and eat and they realize that they're naked and they're sinful and they're vulnerable, what is it that they try to do? They cover themselves. Yeah, they try to cover themselves. And that is a demonstration of control. Mm-hmm. They're trying to fix this themselves rather than trusting the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so false view of God and false view of God, and it's leading them to hyper control. Well, now we can see that other element of bad fear. In verse eight, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. So they are, they're withdrawing from God. This, they're, they're not, there's not a fear of the Lord in the sense of like an awe, respect and adoration. They are afraid of the Lord. Mm -hmm. They are terrified of God. 
Um, and so they, they're not recognizing that God is merciful and forgiving and gracious and they actually can draw near and they actually need to go to him to fix the problem of their sin. And that's not what they do. And so, um, and so with that being said, uh, they, they, they are making bad choices. Mm. <laughs> they're making bad choices, you know? And so when God comes to them, the conversation they have, they, they blame shift. Neither of them take accountability. Neither of them apologize. Neither of them seek God's mercy. They, they're just trying to manage everything on their own. And so, again, you can see the starting point of this is a false view of God as not good, not trustworthy, um, not somebody they can depend on. Yeah. The, the beautiful thing is that in Jesus, he, he restores mm-hmm. our view of God, and we begin to see him as he is, merciful, loving. He pursued us to the point of death on a cross and resurrection. And so he demonstrates, even though he doesn't have to, how trustworthy he really is and how he will not stand for our sin separating us from him. But he wants us to come with come with everything, everything that we need, everything that we've done and need to confess. Um, He wants us to bring everything that burdens us in any way to him, including our fears. You know, with that, in light of that, uh, Anna, you know, talking about Jesus and the gospel, you know, what are some, what are some closing thoughts that you have? Jesus leads us out of our bad fear and having a bad fear of God into holy reverence. Mm. He leads us to come close to God. We can come right up to the throne and share with what's really real with him. And we can have a peaceful trust in who he is because of what he's done for us and the lengths he's gone to to remove us our sin and to be close to us again. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like you made a, you talked about Paul David Tripp in a previous conversation you know, about the teenage years of, the, of age of opportunity. Would you talk about that some? Yeah. You know, Paul Tripp talks about how many of us are afraid of our teenagers mm. because we hear that they're so controlled by hormones and, and poor decision-making that we really just have to endure these years and they'll come out of it on the other end, hopefully. Damage control, preemptive damage control. Yeah, hopefully relatively unscathed and our families will be too. Um, but he urges us to think about the teenage years as an age of opportunity. Mm. And rather than fearing the hormones and the social media and the driver's license and all those things, each of those things are opportunities for us to trust God and opportunities for our kids to watch us trust God with them. Mm. And um, we can show our teenagers that we find our courage in Christ and that they can find courage in Christ. And we can live bravely because nothing can separate us or our kids from the love of Jesus, uh, the love of Jesus um, that he demonstrated. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so let's just kind of wrap up in saying that I think probably one of the biggest emphases of this season and the biggest emphasis of this episode is how key it is for us to live our lives in light of who God is. Mm-hmm. Who God is is really uh, the thing that uh, comforts and mitigates the fear that we experience as parents. Remembering, kind of like you said before, that like He loves our kids so much better than yeah. we do. Yeah, He is. He has. He is so in control. And so, you know, going back to the Life 360 thing, 
you know, our, when, uh, not, sorry, when, when life 360 is used in a, in a way that's kind of dysfunctional, mm-hmm. it's in a sense, it's very, it's a, it's a good emblem of us trying to sit in the seat of and play the role of God. We're trying to be omniscient, whereas only God is omniscient. And we remember that he knows all things and that he is Jehovah, oh, Jehovah, El, no, Elroy, Elroy, the God who sees. Mm-hmm. He is the God who sees our children and he sees them out of kindness and out of wisdom and out of all the power in the world. Like that just, he's got it. He has got it. He knows everything, which means we don't actually have to. Amen. We think we have to know everything, but we we don't, we don't. And and I want to say too, just as a word of comfort, there's a reason that God says, do not fear so many Amen. times in scripture. And it's because he knows that this is our default position out. Once Eve, you know, fell, fell to the lie of not trusting him, then we're afraid of everything. That's our nature. Yeah. And, and he has... He says that so many times because he has so much compassion Amen. for what a struggle it is. Life is for us when we're when we're operating out of fear. Yeah, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. Yeah. So it's all about remembering who God is and his love, his goodness, his holiness, his justice, his mercy, um, all these attributes that make up God and all of his greatness. And so Amen. So thanks so much for listening here to episode one of Fear Factor and Parenting on the Rooted Parent Podcast. If you want to write us a positive review, <laughs> we'd appreciate it. Um, but otherwise, thanks so much for listening. And we hope that you receive as much comfort in this season as we do. Um, uh, God bless you and have a great day. Bye, y'all. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of Rooted Parent. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, We'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for the music featured on this episode. This podcast is made available to you by Rooted Ministry for educational purposes only, not to provide specific therapeutic advice. The views expressed are the personal perspectives of the authors and do not represent the views of all counselors or of the counseling profession. This podcast does not create a counselor-client relationship and should not be used as a substitute for competent therapeutic counsel from a licensed professional in your state.